Welcome everybody to the Blue Skies Dronecast, the podcast by UAV Hub. This is a podcast for the UK drone industry discussing everything from the UK regulations, new drones and also speaking to you, the people within the drone industry. Presented this week, as always, by uh, Tom and Adam. So welcome along everyone. Um, Adam, how are you doing this week? All okay? All good, Tom. Had a nice holiday. How are you? Yes, I'm good. Uh, very well, thank you. And uh, also, it's sunny as well, which always makes uh, life a little bit nicer too, doesn't it? So uh, uh, I'm also glad that you've had a, a nice week off as well. Uh, so uh, for people that uh, aren't watching uh, the video uh, feed, we've got a special guest with us uh, this week, uh, David from uh, Drone Captured Moment. So how are you doing, David? All good? Yeah, I'm good, Tom. It's good to be with you guys. So yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Also sunny where I am today. So that's a, yeah. a pleasant surprise. <laughs> It is indeed. It makes everything just that little bit nicer, doesn't it? Which it is does. always good. So, uh, yeah, so this episode is basically uh, dedicated to David and it's going to be a very similar format to what we normally do when we have guests on uh, and uh, we've got several questions and uh, we're just going to basically explore uh, David's uh, sort of interests and what he's been doing uh, with, with drones. So without further ado, I think we'll kick off uh, in the normal way, really, uh, and basically sort of handing it over to David and asking him, basically, how did you get into drones? That's how we normally kick off. So how did it all start for you, David? Um, so for me, Tom, it was, I suppose, an interest that I've had for a number of years, but I suppose I finally bit the bullet um, at the start of the first lockdown um, last year. Um, so after researching many drones, just went in straight with the DJI Mini 2, so a really good entry-level drone, I suppose, in terms of both its functionality and obviously the ability to, I suppose, um, fly in, in most areas too. So I think that was my initial in. I think, like most people at the start of lockdown, looking for different you know, hobbies and reasons to, to get out and about. And um, I think that was, I suppose, my initial reason for, for getting into drones, just naturally um, very into technology, et cetera, and um, wanted to explore um, aerial photography. So. I see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And again, it's a, a similar vein to a few other people that we've had on, isn't it, Adam? The Mini 2 is definitely the, the new gateway drug. I think it used to be sort of the Mavic series and sort of other DJI drones. But no, I think I would agree if I was just getting into the industry now, I think the Mini 2 would be my first drone, I think, too. Would you agree, Adam? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an incredible machine. Um, are you a photographer by trade, David? Uh, not at all, no. So uh, the, okay. the, only, the only photographs are taken prior to, I suppose, um, buying the DJI Mini 2, which is on, on, on a smartphone. So no no experience with any sort of um, interchangeable lens cameras or anything like that. So just, just a smartphone, yeah. Oh, fantastic. It's, um, I, I, just, I got the impression from kind of what you've been doing that you everyone seems to have, a, seems to come from a photography background that comes into it. It's interesting that you've come from I said, well, potentially nothing. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this as we go in. So, do you come from? Um, is it a creative background to yourself, or are you gonna are you gonna completely throw us? Maybe throw you slightly. So, my, my my sort of nine to five is I'm a I'm a project manager. So, I work in the financial industry. So, delivering different regulatory um, projects, financial projects, technology projects. So, yeah, so very different. Um, I, I would probably say I do quite have a, a creative eye. Um, and, you know, I think this is probably an, uh, an avenue which has allowed me to express that a little bit more. Um, and I suppose that's why perhaps in terms of the f um, photography aspect of things, that's probably something I've been really started to, I suppose, enhance through my, my drone photography. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a surprise because I think me and Adam both thought, oh, you know, he, he must have been doing photography beforehand and then now just adding drones in because some of the images, are, or, or I should say a lot of the images, are, are, are super incredible and very impressive, actually. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of the uh, the places and some of the different sort of subjects you've been taking photos of. But uh, no, that's that's amazing, isn't it, Adam? I think we're, we're quite surprised about very that, surprised. which is definitely, definitely a good thing for you, David, anyway. So um, so you mentioned the Mini 2. Uh, obviously, that's a lovely drone. Do you have any other ones at all at the moment? Are they, are they sort of multiple? Multiplying by themselves, they yeah, do do that. Sorry, yeah, I, th I think my wife, um, if she looked at my bank balance, wouldn't be too happy. But uh, so yeah, Mini Two, and then actually qu went quite quickly onto the the Air Two. Um, so last year Two, and then after that, I think my next round after that was the DJI FPV um, when that cool. ca came out too. So again, just to try and get that, um, I suppose, versatility and, and exploring the FPV journey too. Um, focus mm -hmm. less so on that. Um, but then more recently got the DJI Mavic 3, um, which is obviously quite quite an impressive piece of kit. I, w I would say, though, that I think it, it's, 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 it's a brilliant piece of kit, but probably, I suppose, my recommendation, anybody um, starting with drones, probably not something you need to go for. Um, and, okay. you know, even if you look at the, the Air 2S 2, again, that's probably comparable for, for most people's needs. So, yeah. Uh, I really enjoy it. It gives me a lot of different capability and you know different scope and whatnot, but probably not the one I'd recommend for, for most people. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people just seem to think you know the more they spend on the drone, you know the bigger the drone, the the better it, it will definitely be. But it's interesting to hear that actually maybe you you've gone that far and thought actually maybe not necessary for for like you say most people which, is, which is an interesting. A, a lot of my friends like to I suppose tease me that I've spent that amount of money. And then, then I, I suppose, argue the other way around in terms of, yeah, I probably didn't need to do that. But yeah, um, mm. lessons learned, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. And I think actually, that especially the Mavic 3, would probably still have quite a good uh, uh, secondhand retail value, I should imagine, at the moment still. still. So you never know. You, you've always got the option, I suppose, to kind of no, no, chop I, it I in. Think, and... Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely keep it. I think, you know, not to get too um, hung up in the details, but I suppose from a, a low light level performance capability, it's probably, you know, there's no other... I suppose foldable drone out there that that compete with it, but perhaps I would say, in terms of from the Air 2S to the Mavic 3, is it worth an extra, you know, thousand pounds? Yeah, it's quite, that's a quite a big that's a question step mark. Up. Yeah. Yeah, in terms yeah, of price exactly. price range, it's definitely a big, quite a big because I think I think going from the Mini Mini 2 with the Fly More to the Air 2 or Air 2S with with Fly More, it's not a huge jump. But yeah, going from the Air 2S to the the Mavic, I'm assuming you went for the Mavic 3 the standard one rather than the city version yeah there was no reason you know no reason for me to try and get progress in terms of what you know my workflow etc so mainly posting on instagram and social media platforms having progress is probably not a, a requirement for me yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, I think that was the biggest surprise for us actually was when they released the Mavic Three of how how much it was. You know, it was wasn't a little step. You know, it wasn't the same price as the older ones. It was quite a jump actually. So, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to get into serious money then, isn't it? Especially with the Cine version, that is uh, that's very expensive. So, uh, yeah, so that's great. So that's obviously the aircraft side of things, which is good. Uh, at the end, we might come on to FPV a bit more if we've got time, but we'll see how we get on. Um, but I think for me, the, the the first thing I think that I noticed uh, from your social media and your website is the locations that you've sort of picked to, to fly at so I just wondered um, how do you kind of what is your thought process behind these locations that you find and seem to take really nice pictures of you know how do you go about finding these locations David? Yeah so I think um, for me obviously with a drone it has obviously quite a, a wide 
um, field of view. So I think what my primary sort of focus is trying to find a subject that's prominent. In, I suppose that can be, I suppose, the, the key prominent feature within um, any photograph or video that I, that I take. So I tend mm. to probably encourage people not not to feel the need to go to 120 meters because you're just going to see a trillion different things. And then I suppose when people are looking at your images or video, it's like, was it that you're trying to display to me? So I suppose it's quite simple, really. Less is more is a sort of mm. a principle I focus on is try and keep the, the photograph simple, try and have a you know one or two prominent features within that photograph. But then also just thinking about when you're framing your photograph as well, just thinking about what's in the background because there can be a lot of distractions that unintentionally that you'll capture um, in your photograph and then when you obviously view it in your editor whatever it may be you'll be like ah if only i would have dropped down a little bit lower or you know perhaps i wasn't so far away um so just really thinking about the framing of your image and not you know not feeling like you have to capture everything and perhaps cr yeah. cropping in or you know making your, I suppose, your image focus on one or two things is probably the, the key thing I, I find. Um, trying to capture everything in one single shot, I suppose you you then lose lose that um, primary focus. Mm, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because ha again, having a look at the website, you've obviously been to some quite uh, sort of prominent places. So you've been to Durdle Door. I think you've taken uh, some shots there. Uh, Great Harry's Rock that I haven't heard of, actually. But uh, again, looks super interesting as well. And then I think uh, Bed Bedruth and Steps as well, I think yeah, you've been yeah. to too. So they're, they're obviously places that you've obviously sort of uh, sort of seeked out, I, I guess, and, and uh, yeah, chosen it, a subject. It, it, exactly. So, you know, take a lot of inspiration from different people's social media accounts, et cetera. So, you know, these aren't th things I've, I've totally found by myself and, you know, they're a 100% hidden gem. But, yeah, absolutely, just thinking about what's unique about that location. If you were to see it in a photograph, you'd be like, what, what's that? What gets that person's interest or the viewer's interest? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's it's twofold. Are you getting that initial hook? But then when you're actually there, not being afraid to actually just get less in your shot and don't feel as though you just need to get a big wide angle of that particular area or that particular oh, landscape. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. No, that's good, yeah. Um, Adam, did you want to um, carry on with a few questions? Yeah, so um, I see obviously very prominently for what you shoot is is Liverpool. Um, and I'm assuming that's because you are based in Liverpool. I, I assume but probably yeah. from, but you, your accent true. gives part of it away, but I'm assuming that you're based there, but... <laughs> From the amount of uh, kind of images you take of, of the city, and it is a it's a beautiful city. And it's it's actually really nice to see it from the air. Um, and I've noticed that uh, you, I don't know whether it's a fascination or whether it's just because it's iconic. As you you seem to have taken taken the liver building to um, a new level, shall we say? Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's probably another joke that I have with a couple of my friends in terms of the the Laverbird support group. Um, just in terms of, we, we all joke in terms of we have to find something new to, to photograph or film Liverpool. But as you say, it's quite iconic. And I suppose at different times of the day, and you know, it, you can get some really different, unique aspects and I suppose captures of, of the live building or the live birds. So, yeah, so def definitely iconic, but something uh, not to, not to overuse, shall I say? <laughs> I, I, I think, think the go on, sorry. I was going to say, I, th I think you can never overdo the live build. It's it's because I, I actually kind of see from your feed. It doesn't matter. You know, obviously, there's so many different times of day that you can shoot there. There's um, obviously the lights stop differently. Um, and to say, you know, it's absolutely fantastic to see some of this. And actually, the way I love the way that you've edited some of your videos as well. Um, you know, you've you've gone really. It's not just 
you know a pan around or just a dolly across it you've actually gone in and you know quickly punched in on different parts of the of the building and and, and taking it from different angles whether it's, whether it's top down um it's just nice to see somebody thinking about different creative shots even if it is just as you say just for social media yeah absolutely and i think you know when i initially started out i was probably guilty of just doing quite long continuous shots you know 10 20 seconds just rising or left to right whatever it may be i suppose but then as you become i suppose more accomplished or more accustomed with making videos etc you probably start to tune in terms of what gets your attention a bit more and again always using others as examples in terms of what you see others do and sort of, I suppose, taking that inspiration and obviously putting your own stamp on it too. I think that's probably, you know, where I've not had a photographer's or videographer's background, I suppose I do have an eye for, okay, I find that interest and I find that style engages me so then I can pick up on those elements and try and incorporate it in, in my videos or, or my photographs too. So is that what you is that what you do? Do you kind of obviously use social media to kind of get the inspiration and you go, ooh, I love how that looks. Do you then kind of go in and, and research how to achieve that, or is it just something you experiment with? A, a bit of both, to be fair. So I think I've got a, a, already an idea in my own eye how I'd like to capture um, you know, a, a video or photograph, but there might be something new in terms of a particular videography style, but it's a speed ramp that I've obviously never done before. So again, research, how do you get that speed ramp technique? And Again, just trial and error, and then you become, I suppose, again, a little bit more accustomed, a little bit more, I suppose, proficient with then applying that technique. And also then you start to think about, okay, how could I utilize that in, in different ways for different purposes as well? So again, just just trial and, not trial and error, but experiment and see what works yeah. well, really. Yeah, there's there's a huge amount of information out there, isn't there? When you start sort of delving into different social media sort of uh, accounts or YouTube, etc. If you can't do something, there's a 99% chance that you can find out how to do it on the internet and get good results, which I think is great because you can almost teach yourself all these things to a certain extent, 100%. which is brilliant, isn't it? I think one of the other things is don't be afraid to reach out to other Instagram or social media accounts and ask for their advice. So yeah. one of my friends now, I you know reached out. He had really good um, nighttime photography. We both had mm -hmm. similar drones, the, the Mini Two, the the the, the Mavic Air. And I was like, how how are you getting really crisp nighttime vibrant shots? And he talked me through you know a couple of his, a couple of his steps in terms of exposure, length, shutter speed, keeping his ISO a, a little bit lower, etc which then just transformed my nighttime photograph. So again, it, again, it's not something like I just had this moment of inspiration and gained, you know, how to do nighttime photography. I, I asked others and others were, you know, very kind to share with me how they go about it. And so when now people approach me, I naturally would have shared it anyway, but obviously I think I would recommend others if you see uh, another Instagram account that's doing something and you don't know how, ask them. Um, yeah. Most people will respond in kind. That's it. Yeah, the worst thing they'll do is just not reply at all. Yeah, that's it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, that's great to hear as well. I think it's nice when everyone shares, you know, their their skills, and then you'll probably do the same moving forward when when people and they probably have start asking you how have you got X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm sure you'll help them out too. Um, and I think sort of some of the some of the stuff that really jumped out at me when I was looking on your website was actually uh, the the cloud collection. Because that looks really good, you know. That's I think what made uh, made me and Adam sort of think, wow, you know, that that really is something that we don't see very often, and actually looks looks very professional and uh, just another take of 
sort of I wouldn't say normal stuff but stuff that is relatively day-to-day -day suddenly looks amazing when you've got that sort of mist and that cloud cover uh, and, and and things like that was that just more inspiration was it from other people as well or how did that come about so I think that was just more fortuitively so in terms of um, the, the fog that was rolling in um, again one of my one of my friends you know, notified me that the following morning following morning rather that there was mm. going to be low fog within Liverpool um, so we both went out uh, you know, early hours waiting for the fog to roll in and we're quite fortunate that the fog was rolling in up towards the Liver building and towards the Albert Dock yeah. but then away from the Liver building there was still a clearing so we could still you know get up you know safely and get and get really good and I suppose dramatic dramatic photographs yeah. and videos so <laughs> yeah really fortunate I think again going back to Adam's point earlier on about you can't get too much of the Liver building I think again when, when the conditions change Again, you get yeah. that unique, different perspective. And again, the reaction from, I suppose, people within Liverpool who haven't seen that particular perspective before in those particular conditions. Um, so again, that makes it, again, really engaging um, sort of content for people to interact with too, which yeah, is always good. Yeah. It almost looks like a different planet almost, doesn't it, when you look at it, the images? It's, it's so yeah. strange. <laughs> uh, I've had a couple of people inquire what um, cloud editing software I use, <laughs> 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 to which is... I don't, but I have to admit I removed one light, but everything else is, is real. Um, yeah. But yeah, and they're, yeah. they're a, bit, a bit confused that that was actual, you know, real conditions. Yeah, or they might be saying, "Why? how did you get that high or something like that? That's <laughs> probably another one that people might talk about. But, but, that, but that's the thing, though, isn't it, in terms of like the different uh, levels of cloud and fog, etc. So mm. again, obviously try and do everything as, as safely as possible and try and get yeah. up and down yeah. as quickly as possible without, you know, trying, you know, making sure that you, you're doing everything as you should be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think um, there's another shot. I think Adam, you noted down actually. Um, did you want to quickly mention that just under the the, the Liver Building? Oh, we had about to, so so obviously uh, weirdly enough, I've just gone and gone see the new Batman um, over the weekend, and obviously that prominently features um, the Liver Building. So uh, I'd just like to, any chance that while you're out, you're out, you caught any any of uh, your filming back in? Which is, I think it was 2020 when they were filming in Liverpool. Um, did you did you see any of that happening? Unfortunately, I didn't myself, but I saw again our friends and um, um, accounts, etc., that they'd they'd captured actually um, Batman at the top of the tower um, <laughs> about to jump off. So the, again, so yeah, also yeah, a, a great thing for the city. But again, I suppose goes to I suppose indicate around how iconic the the Liver Building is. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, you you mentioned earlier, obviously, about doing the, the your. Um, you asked about how to do um, nighttime photography and we've actually put this in the notes because you do do obviously it's now coming through that you are doing actually some stunning nighttime photography and we'd actually like to know or well, I suppose the listeners like to know if you'd like to get, if you can give away some of the trade secrets you don't have to give all of them away but have you got any tips and tricks that you've picked up from other people of you know how to level up those nighttime photography shots yeah, I think some of the simple things is just around some of the, the basic settings, in, in all honesty. Again, I think one of the key things is actually just utilize the particular settings within your drone. So again, I know we're talking about DJI um, heavily today, but you've got a, a lot of on-screen indicators around, I suppose, your exposure, your, your, your balance and all that, all those types of things. So don't be afraid of using those whilst you're framing your shot and you know trying to understand, are you overexposed, are you underexposed, et cetera. So definitely use the on-screen tool that are built in. But I suppose some simple recommendations I would give is just around your exposure, so your shutter speed, 
I generally, um, for nighttime photography, keep that a, a, a second. Again, you've got to be mindful of the wind conditions because obviously you're trying to keep the, the, the drone quite stable. So anything over a second, you're probably going to struggle to then, I suppose, keep things you know crisp and sharp. Obviously, being um, conscious of any moving traffic. Obviously, you get headlight um, trails, etc. That can look quite nice, but if that's not something that you don't want, again, just be mindful of how you how you frame. So a shutter, um, um, shutter a second shutter speed is always good to go with, and then try and keep your ISO a hundred if possible um or 200 again just to try and minimize the level of noise and i suppose the the thing the thing with that is whilst you take your photograph and you're looking at your mobile phone device um you might be thinking that looks incredibly dark so again if you've got the opportunity to shoot in raw shoot in raw because then once you put that into a basic ed editing software that, that whether that be lightroom mobile or even just within your your mobile app within on, on um, I suppose, iOS, you can edit, edit within there. And actually what you'll find is that you can bring a lot of that detail back. So whilst it looks incredibly dark, whilst you caption the image, you'll find that you'll then have more room to play with than to, I suppose, increase the, the you know, reduce the highlights if necessary, if you've got really bright areas, but if you've got any shadows, and again, you want to bring out that detail, you've got more flexibility then to increase the, the exposure. So simply just to summarize, Shutter speed at a second, and try and keep your ISO around a hundred or, or or two hundred, which is a really good good combination. So one of the big things is get out of auto. You know, remove auto as much as you can, um, and shoot manual. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the DJI Mini Two as well is if you do if you shoot in AEB, so that automatic exposure bracket obviously will give you I suppose a variety of different exposures settings. And then again, within Lightroom, you can then merge you know, a number of photographs, again, to get that good range in your image. So if you've got you know, shadows that you want to maintain, you can maintain those. But then if you've got highlights as well that you want to bring out, you'll also be able to bring those out. So you have a good range of, I suppose, a, a, a wider range to work with in, in post. Yeah, Fantastic. And for those, um, I'll say it's something I, I know about, um, Tom might know a bit, but in terms of the shutter speed, so I just want to take back into you. Know, you've mentioned shutter speed. Some people might have just going, "What the? What's he on about? What's what's a shutter? You know, what shutter speed?" So can you just you don't have to go into you know lots of explanation, but you know what's the impact of having potentially a too higher a shutter speed versus you know going below that one second that you recommend for nighttime photography specifically? Yeah. So with shutter speed, there's I suppose a couple of things that you want to think about. So why it's important? The longer your your shutter's open the more light then will hit your sensor. So obviously in a, in a nighttime um, environment, if you have a higher shutter speed, it's going to be open for longer. Therefore, you'll get more light hitting your sensor. Um, probably why you don't want to go over a second is once it's you know open for longer than that, you'll start to get, um, especially with a, a drone, you'll start to get a little bit of blur. You'll, you won't be in focus as much. And then obviously if you have anything moving through your images, which is emitting light, you'll then get light streaks, which can look, again, look really cool if, if that's what you're going for. But you just, that's something you've just got to be mindful of if, if you don't want that. And then if you're going, go, going to go below a second, again, you're, you're giving your sensor less time to gather light. So less time to gather that information off the various different sources, whether it's buildings or wherever it may be. Therefore, your, your image is going to appear overall darker, and again, you've perhaps got less room to then um, change that within um, within post. Yeah, 
Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it still amazes me. Um, sort of going back many years, thinking that you'd ever be able to do night photography with a drone was was laughable. You know, the the drones. Uh, again, I always do this. I always talk about the old drones, but it's something that I always remember thinking that you know, six, seven, eight years ago, that the fact that they'd even be able to hover still enough to take, you know. A, a daytime shot was was normally like you know cross your fingers hope for the best and to think that the shutter could be open for a second or more on a drone was was laughable but it, it's possible now isn't it with with these aircraft and in surprisingly sort of breezy conditions as well which is is great so it obviously does help i think having the the technology and uh uh, a, a stable drone, a, a decent sort of gimbal system and stuff all helps with this keeping the shutter open for as long as as you need i suppose doesn't it yeah absolutely and is there a with the um, with the Mini Two? Is there any way? Because I think a lot of people do say that you can't go into manual with the Mini Two. It's not something I I have specifically looked into a lot of. Um, but is there a way of changing to any types of manual settings with the Mini Two, or is it if you want to go more manual, it's stepping up to the Air Two S? No. So with the the Mini Two, you can go into manual. So yeah, so you can you know, flip out of auto into manual. So that gives you full control over the shutter speed over the ISO. Over, over your white balance and all that good stuff and obviously you can choose whether you want to have jpeg and raw so i would recommend you you do shoot in raw because it just gives you more information again to work with in post with a jpeg obviously it just compresses that so again gives you a little bit of less flexibility so yeah there's no need to go into the you, know, you don't need to go to air two to get um i suppose the, the the ability to shoot in manual you can do that in the, the dji mini two and i think that was one of the things i was a little bit frustrated with initially was it's really good in the day. It's really good in bright conditions. But over night time, I was really struggling. Uh, I was, again spoke to one of my one of my friends who just gave me a couple of simple steps. And I was like, "Okay, you've opened up a new world to me. Thank you." It's <laughs> great, Fantastic. Um, awesome. I think uh, we'll move on to uh, the the editing side of things now, Adam, and that's uh, your domain again. So uh, yeah, do you want to carry on? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, one of the simple questions. Yeah, what what do you use to to edit your, your photos? Um, so I use um, Lightroom, so Adobe Lightroom. Um, and again, I think with Adobe Lightroom, we use the the mobile version. I think that's a, a free app that you can that you can get. I think you have all the functionality of the desktop version. So if you want to use it on mobile, so whether that's your iPhone or a tablet, works you know works brilliantly. Um, I tend to just do on on desktop. Just makes it a little bit easier for me. Yeah, fantastic. And do you use anything particular for for video? So I started off with iMovie because um, it was free. Um, so started off with iMovie. And I have to say, you can probably um, get a lot from iMovie. So again, there's no need to jump to you know pay paid for services. But I've moved to, to Final Cut Pro. Just gives me a, a bit more flexibility with some of the particular techniques that I want to use. Gives me a bit more flexibility with color grading uh, and color correction. Um, but one of my, one of my other um, friends does advocate DaVinci Resolve, which I believe is a free um, software package that you can get, which I think is quite equivalent uh, to Final Cut Pro. So again, I tend to recommend folk if they want to, I suppose, have a little bit more of an advanced um, video software and package to maybe try and explore DaVinci Resolve because again, you're getting potentially all that functionality, but not having to, I suppose, outlay any any money initially. Yeah, I mean, I know that the cost of Final Cut Pro um, is is in the grand scheme of things very cost effective because it's just a one off payment. One -off fee, yeah. Whereas obviously with Adobe um, Premiere or, or Adobe in general, it is a subscription yeah. package. Um, so it is actually quite works out quite quite cost effective as a as a just a one outlay. Um, but yeah, DaVinci Resolve is a really really good um, piece of software. The free version has 
I'd say 99% of the tools that most people need uh, for those 1% of the professional, I would I put in quotations professionals that need those extra little tools. But actually, for most professionals, the, fr- the free version is good enough. Absolutely. Yeah, I think as well, there's a whole vo- um, variety of different, I suppose, mobile apps that you can get. So you can get Adobe Rush, which again, I believe mm. is free. So you can do that again on your, I suppose, your tablet or your smartphone. And then similarly, there's a, an app which I utilized initially, which was called Pick Play Post. Again, that's, that's really good. Um, and again, that, that's a free version as well. So I think don't let a, a tool be the thing that prevents you from exploring your passion or exploring videography or exploring um, nighttime photography or whatever it may be. There's always something out there that you can get initially that doesn't require you know an, an outlay of any money. So don't let that be a barrier to you exploring. I suppose you um, a more creative side for yourself. Fantastic. How long do you generally spend um, editing you know, a, a photo? Does it is it something that you just kind of you do in the evening for a few hours, or is it go you know, oh five minute touch up? Yeah. So so generally, when I've gone out and captured some photographs, I'll come come back, offload them have a fl- quick flip through and then when I, I pick one that I want to edit it probably takes me about no more than half an hour so I, again I think that's the key thing is you want to try and capture the, the photograph as close to how you want it to look you know in the end so you, you don't want to be doing loads of mad things in Photoshop to remove items that you you know that you didn't want to have in the background so try and get the perspective correctly so either you know especially if you're doing something in Liverpool where you're predominantly over the River Mersey you can position your drone in such a way that you can hide other buildings or cranes behind your buildings, etc. So you're not having to, so you know, remove them in post production. So yeah, generally about half an hour, I would say, is 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 my maximum. Um, so yeah, I don't agonise over it. And again, just just trial and experiment. Yeah, so it's a really good tip actually. With you saying to you, know, get it right while you're shooting it, because then it does save you an absolute massive amount of time in post-production it's something we were always taught when i studied at film at university it was you know don't we used to have we used to have a, 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 a i've said it on the podcast before a favorite <laughs> saying which is oh don't worry we'll fix it in post uh but actually it's a bad habit to pick up because you, you spend a lot more time in post-production where you for that five minute change you could have just spent gaining it right to begin with saves hours mm-hmm. You just move the drone sideways a bit, and then yeah, <laughs> it's just 100%. about just about thinking thinking about the shot a little bit more than just going oh that looks all, that looks all right snap and then oh well I'll make it look cool in post production. So actually, what can you do there? Oh, but perhaps if you do take it a few feet to the left, a few feet to the right, oh let's let's drop it down a little bit. Oh, and then sometimes it is just that oh my god, that's that's the one, that's it. And I think what you touch on there as well is one of the things that I try and do, and I, you know, I don't do it all the time, is consciously think about what type of shot I want before I've even took the air, aircraft off the ground. As soon as it's up in the, in the air, you've got a lot of different things to think about. So your ability to think about position and, and frame, etc., probably starts to reduce. So really think about, okay, so when I get in the air, what shots am I after? So you can try and get into that position, then you're refining from that point. And also generally, I don't try and take like a, a hundred shots. I'll be very you know, conscious and considerate to say, well, looking at my display, is this what I, is this what I want? Is there anything, and go through a bit of a process. Is there anything in the background? Is there a crane? Is there a building that I don't want to be in view? Reposition, whatever it may be. Think about things moving through the images. You know, 
especially if there's a road in the background that we need to think about mm. waiting uh, to take the shot, etc. So just consciously give yourself that time to think about how it's framed, adjust, then take the shot as opposed to I'll take a photograph, I'll take another, I'll take another, and then somewhere in that collection there might be a good photograph. What I would say, though, just as a top tip, especially with nighttime photography, if you're trying to keep one second shutter speed, you'd probably take two or three of the same shot just in case, you know, the, the aircraft has moved or there has been, a, you know, a slight increase in the wind and you've shifted whilst the, I suppose, the photograph has been in, in, in progress. So just to give yeah. yourself, you know, a, a couple of options, a couple of opportunities to get that photograph. Yeah, that's it. Because sometimes on the screen, it might look great, might it? But then you put it onto a big monitor and suddenly like, oh, damn. Yeah. Everything's, <laughs> everything's shifted to the left. Yes. Or, yeah, it's a left. bit smeary or something as well. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. But no, that's interesting. No, and I think, uh, yeah, that's another sort of different way of looking at things. I think it's almost sounds as though you're editing in your head almost before you've taken the shot to make the shot as easy to work with as possible, which, yeah, I think makes sense. Doesn't it? You probably could fix it in post, but if you don't have to, <laughs> let's let's not, I suppose. 100%. And I think that I think that becomes more pronounced than with video, because um, with with uh, video, and I suppose the, the movement of the drone, if you've you've accidentally sped up and then you're trying to speed use a speed run to try and slow that down, then everything else starts uh, yeah. to look a bit <laughs> slow and look a bit awkward, and your your frame rate starts to go a bit skewed. So I think it's probably more prominent um, and prevalent that you try and get it right um, while you're capturing the video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's really uh, interesting and some good uh, top tips there, I think, Adam, aren't there? It's just, this is what we like. This is good. This is good uh, Blue Skies uh, yeah, yeah, content. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Uh, so moving uh, sort of onto a different, uh, slightly different subject now, uh, we normally talk about how um, you uh, sort of promote yourself or how people promote themselves. And we, we normally talk about LinkedIn and a lot of our guests uh, are on LinkedIn and they promote themselves there. But um, from what we've seen, you're actually more of an Instagram person, actually, rather than I don't think you're even you might be on LinkedIn, but you don't necessarily use it. But um, how would you use or how do you use uh, sort of the, the powers of Instagram then for, you, for your work? Yeah, so I suppose within Liverpool, there's quite a lot of um, different feature accounts. So um, there's obviously a, a lot of feature accounts which promotes things that are going on in, in, in the city, promoting local big businesses, etc. Mm. And they're, they're very keen to use really, you know, interesting and unique photographs, whether that be aerial or ground-based or, or videos. So generally working in collaboration with some of the, the feature accounts. So they'll okay. quite often approach myself in terms of are they able to use it in image for a particular purpose etc so i suppose making those connections and i suppose understanding in, in i suppose your your network whom whom um you know especially on instagram could give you that increased reach or exposure uh, yeah. i suppose again speak to, speak to them it seems like a weird and wonderful thing to do but actually engage those accounts be active yeah. with them um, yeah. I suppose, I suppose, just be very clear in terms of how you how you potentially work work together. Yeah, I see. So very similar then to to, to, to other social media outlet outlets, I suppose. Really, it's just just being active and and doing stuff and being friendly, talking to people, and you know, just just trying to do as much as you can. I suppose, really, isn't it? That's that gets your name out there more more quickly and uh, just gives you a better you know sense of what's going on. And the same for other people as well, I suppose too. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, Adam, did we have any uh, other things to talk about here? Well, the other uh, so the other note, but I think we answered this at the very beginning because we got, we, we were debating whether this was a full time job of yours. But we've kind of answered that at the um, at the beginning that you're a was it project you're a project manager and this is 
um this, this is pure this, this is, is a just, hobby just a hobby so oh, it's yeah okay. um but you do have a website where you do sell um some of your prints yeah so have a website so drunkcapturemoments.com where i have some of my prints available um youtube accounts as well again i think for me um the youtube and instagram was just a it was a way to share my photographs and my videos so i was forever bombarding friends and family basically <laughs> spam them here's a, here's a photograph here's a video yeah, great, love, love it, good stuff. But then I was, I suppose, a bit conscious that if they want to see them more regularly, they can just go to Instagram, whatever it may be. So that that's where the Instagram account came from. Honestly, it was just, a, I suppose, a simple way for me to be able to share my photographs, my videos oh, right. <laughs> with my friends and family without, you know, bombarding them and pestering them randomly with weird and wonderful photos. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of grown from there, which is great. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah nice uh cool so yeah getting uh towards the end of the episode now then so just to sort of uh finish off um what do you think uh the sort of the the future holds uh david for for, for what you're doing are you have you got any uh, avenues that you want to explore or any kind of interesting things that you haven't done yet but that you might want to start doing um yeah what, what does the future hold do you think so I think for me, I think I'm at probably a, a bit of a, a transition period where I'm starting to get, I suppose, a, a, more inquiries about do I do anything professionally or commercially? So that's definitely something I'm going to explore a little bit more. So I'm actually doing my GVC with you guys. So I've done my A2COC with you guys last year. I've oh, done perfect. my GVC um, post theory and examination. So I just now need to do my, my practical examination, which will be good in, in due course. So I think for me, it's now thinking about how I build out the services perhaps, which I could offer to the local businesses. And one of the things that I'm starting to explore and starting to work in conjunction with, again, one of my, one of my colleagues and one of my friends is FPV. Um, so we're mm. starting to do some interior FPV uh, for restaurants and, and, and things like that. So yes, it is a bit of a hobby at the moment, but at the, at the same time, it's something that I really enjoy. It allows me to be, um, you know, very creative allows me to i suppose do things that i wouldn't normally do so um so i think i'm looking to now try and i suppose explore that a little bit more around how to how do i commercialize some of the some of the work that i've been, I've been doing yeah it's interesting with you saying about the uh, moving into fpv and you're saying about restaurants wanting that um that look inside and i think it's a it is a i think a growing trend at the moment isn't it? Obviously, traditionally, people have always wanted the you know a promotional video, you know, a standard promotional video. Whereas now, I think people are liking to see that fluid motion of an FPV of people dining or in a pub or you know in in situ, and it's all one fluid motion. Um, I think that's uh, it. Yeah, it's so dynamic and so engaging. So as a I suppose a viewer, you, you're already hooked around. Okay, what's this? Because it's moving in a I suppose a, a different way and. Before you know it, you're watching a video, and then you know it's a particular restaurant, and then you, you've got the interest of, I suppose, that that particular person viewing that content. But yeah, I think it's a very powerful way to, I suppose, quickly demonstrate all the different features, and I suppose the, the services a particular organisation could offer. So it's definitely a, a very engaging, unique way to, I suppose, display your your location or your restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's. I think I find the FPV side of things very interesting because I think recently drones have become uh, not not plug and play as such, but most people could probably quite easily buy a Mini 2 and start getting quite nice shots, which is brilliant. And that's really opened up the industry. But I think FPV is a totally different game because, yes, you can go out and buy the FPV DJI drone, <laughs> but 
it won't do all those shots for you with a press of a button. It's really down to your skill. And if you can practice and become very good, that will kind of set you apart from all the people that maybe can't do that. And I think that's a really a good sort of place to work towards or an area to work towards, because then the videos that you're watching are more the pilot skill as opposed to, you know, an automated DJI flight, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So definitely something to work towards and, and, and practice with, I think. Yeah. I have to say it's like a completely different language uh, flying an FPV drone. So <laughs> I started off flying, you know, a DJI FPV drone and you've got all your safety features so you can do it you know, with GPS, et cetera. But then soon to mm. flip into manual, that's a whole different <laughs> ball game. So I've spent many of hours uh, practicing in simulations, et cetera. Oh, um, great. So mm. I can now fly manual. But yeah. yeah, anybody trying to go from, uh, I suppose, a GPS drone to an FPV drone, um, yeah. just just be prepared to invest a lot of time and preparing, uh, re and repairing your drone. So, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, but it pays what, off. I think that's the thing. What simulator do you use? So uh, with DJI, um, the, uh, the DJI Virtual um, um, Simulator, so um, that's a, a standard one that you can utilize with the DJI FPV drone itself. Okay. I see. Yeah, there's a few others out there, I think, aren't there as well? But uh, yeah, anything that can help you fly in that mode will will really kind of reward you in in the long term, I think, as well. So it's great to hear. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, anything else, Adam? I think we're almost at the end now, aren't we? I think really, have we covered all our bullet points? I think we have. <laughs> I think that's I think that's covered. Um, yeah, most things. We've moved into FPV, which is which is really nice. Mm. Um, yeah, and so you've covered most of most of all the other things. Where can um, where can people find you um, on your um, you know Instagram, YouTube, and and website? Where can they find you? Yeah, so quite simple. So for Instagram, drone captured moments, the same on TikTok, the same on Facebook, um, the same on um, YouTube, and then my web my website is dronecapturedmoments.com. Oh, okay, that's fairly easy to remember, hopefully, isn't it? And we'll put these uh, these links in the uh, description as well, so people can click through uh, if they need to uh, as well. But I think uh, we can call that uh, a wrap on uh, this episode. So thanks very much, David. It's been really interesting and uh, good fun to talk to you as well. Thanks so much. Cheers, Paul. Thanks again. No worries. Yeah, and uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure as always. I'll probably probably see you in a few weeks' time, I imagine. No doubt. <laughs> Great. Okay, then. So just a few final things then to finish off with. Uh, don't forget, uh, any questions, send them into dronecast at uavhub.com. Uh, we'll try and answer them on the podcast. And like I say, if you send in a video, uh, so, not a video, <laughs> uh, an audio uh, recording, then obviously we can play those uh, out on the podcast live uh, as well. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, also review the podcast if you haven't. And also tell a friend uh, as well. Hopefully we can uh, gather a few more listeners as we go as well. But that takes us to the end of this episode. So thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, fly safe and blue skies and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.